How did you get the role of Reggie on this? I think I auditioned for it. I don't remember any more about it than that it was... I have to apologize. I come armed with information about these things, and I don't expect you to remember that, all of these things. All right, Didn't you you audition for the role of Doc? I may have. That didn't matter. You'd you'd come in and audition for every Mm -hmm. role. That that happened frequently in auditions, Mm -hmm. and you'd... um, the director would probably have some idea in mind already of what he mm. wanted. You, that's always true of auditions. Actors should never feel badly when they don't get a role. Don't feel they've auditioned badly. The director already knows what he wants, and he keeps auditioning people till someone comes in who coincides with this... Oh, I think prejudice is the best mm. word. Oh, he has a preconceived notion of yes, what he'd like, yes. and he hopes some one of the actors auditioning will fit into the yeah, role. I yeah, yeah. Tony Randall was born R.E.A. Leonard Rosenberg on February 16, 1920 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He attended Northwestern University for a year before going to New York City to study under Sanford Meisner and choreographer Martha Graham. Randall worked as an announcer at WTAG in Worcester, Massachusetts. Although I had been a radio announcer for a year in Worcester, Massachusetts, from 41 to 42, I think it was, you were in that early in the radio game. You must have been very, very young at the time you were doing radio. Then. Yeah. I was too young to be drafted, I remember that, because the, the war was on then. And you the, the weren't drafted until you were 21. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, that's right. that's right. He starred with Jane Cowell in George Bernard Shaw's Candida, and with Ethel Barrymore in Emmeline Williams' The Corn is Green. After serving with the U.S. Army Signal Corps in World War II, he came back to New York City. In 1946... Randall was cast in Catherine Cornell's revival of the Barretts of Wimple Street. The following year in Antony and Cleopatra, and in 1949, he appeared in Caesar and Cleopatra. Simultaneously, Randall found work in radio. I made my living in radio as, a, as an actor on uh, the soaps and on the nighttime shows. The nighttime shows paid well, you see. Mm-hmm. Soaps paid about $33, $34 for a 15-minute episode. Mm-hmm. If you did enough of them... You'd be making a good living, and some people did 40, 50 a week. But the nighttime shows paid about $110, $115, $130. The big half hour. And an hour shows play, paid considerably more. Did you do most of this from New York? All of it. I was never one of the Chicago radio actors. Uh-huh. And, and you hadn't done much radio in uh, California? I'd never been really to California oh, except on visits. I was a New York actor strictly. Well, now you mentioned also about the nighttime programs that you did. Now, mm-hmm. which nighttime shows were you? You see, I've checked a lot of reference books on radio, and I can only attach you to I Love a Mystery. Well, that was a contract job, and I was on it for, for years. Uh-huh. But the other things, you just came in and did once. You were just an actor. Mm-hmm. I was on Mr. District Attorney many, many, many times. But if you'd look up Mr. District Attorney, you'd only find out... You'd find Len Doyle as Harrington, Jay Justin. Jay Justin as Mr. District Attorney, and Vicky Vola as Miss Miller. Right. Yes. I did a pretty good imitation of Jay Justin. Let's and the it. announcer was Fred Utell. Let's hear your Jay Justin imitation. Well, I should tell your audience that it's very early in the morning here at the Ambassador East, and I'm not in voice yet. Once Shalyapin was asked to sing in the morning, as you know. Still there. Sing? In the morning? Can't even spit? I remember the announcer saying, Mr. District Attorney, Champion of the People, Defender of Truth, Guardian of our Fundamental Rights to Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, 
And the music would come in, Peter Van Steeden's orchestra. And then, then on an echo chamber, Jay Jostin would say, And it shall be my duty to defend... No. And it shall be my duty to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated in my district. And to defend uh, with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. <laughs> terrific, terrific. Can you remember the sponsor of that program? Sure. Ipana for the smile of health and Salapatica for the smile of beauty. Great. Vice versa. Vice versa, versa right. yeah. They used to come in. <laughs> yes, yes. And if you were on the show often enough, you'd get cases of this stuff sent to your home. No salads. <laughs> and that was produced by a wonderful man named Ed Byron. He was really a good radio director. That, well, that show was fun to work. Randall was 29 and in New York when I Love a Mystery was revived. He originally auditioned for the part of Doc, but Carlton Morse felt he was better suited for Reggie York. Mutual Broadcasting System presents I Love the Mystery. adventure thriller That's you, Doc? Yeah. Man, there ain't a door in this boarding house that don't creak and groan. Make a darn good burglar alarm, Mo. What are you doing? Come on into my room. Well, I'm coming. Doggone it. This ain't like living in a barn. Yeah, it's a bit of a clatter, all right, when you walk about. Where have you been? Across the hall, talking to Nash and the maestro. <laughs> Fit to be tied, the maestro. He says he ha- we had better accommodations in the boxcar. Well, did you ever eat such vile food? Uh, probably the reason we get it for 50 cents a day. Hey, who's that? It's Dry Ghost Mary. Who'd you think it was? Well, good evening, Mary. That's so. Who said the food I serve up is fine? I, I, I'm afraid I did. Uh, well, if you don't like it, you can get out. Well, then how did you know I said it? I was listening. That's how I know. Hey, you admit you was listening at the keyhole? I was. And the next crack about the food I said, you can all get out the whole kit and caboodle. Oh, we're extremely sorry. You'd better be. Oh, just a minute, Mary. Are you always going to be listening at outdoors? Well, I'm a mind to. But isn't that considered bad taste? I got a right to know what's going on in my boarding house, and I'm standing on my right. Well, you just go right ahead and eavesdrop your heart. <laughs> and mind what you say about my cooking. We'll be careful. See that you do. <laughs> well, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> what's that? Well, I'm going to bed in the dark tonight. With a peeping Tom for a landlady, I ain't going to take no chances. <laughs> All right, remember after this. Got anything important to say? Say it in a low voice. Well, I got something important to say. What's that? Jack, that there Nasha gal in the maestro is up to something. What makes you think so? I know it. You remember what Nasha said this morning 
About the wolves descending on bury your dead tonight? Rubbish. Well, maybe so, but I'm telling you, something mighty funny is happening across the hall in their room. Well, what? Well, for one thing, y- you know them tights like acrobats wear, like long underwear on his skin tight? Yeah. Well, Nash has got a pair of them on, black ones. Feller, is she a looker in them? Nasha is wearing a pair of black tights. I swear to my grandma, she is. Well, what for? What's the object? Well, I asked her, and I asked the maestro. Yes? Yeah? And every last word that Ted say was, Tonight the wolf howls. Tonight the wolf howls? That's all. And when I come out of their room, you know what was happening? Nasha was a-laying curled up at the maestro's feet like a dog. And he is a-petting and a-smoothing her hair. But, Doc, that's just what happened in the boxcar. You're telling me. What made my hair stand up on end? Just uh, standing there watching them. Well, they didn't pay no more attention to me than if I wasn't there. Why'd you leave? You think I wanted to stand there and see Nasha turned into a wolf right in front of my eyes? Doc. Well, Dad Gummit, that's what happened in the boxcar. You don't know that it did. You didn't see it happen. Yes, but, Jack, we saw her eyes, green and yellow. Only an animal's eyes shine like that in the dark. And nothing but an animal could have made them snarling noises. So you think the maestro's in there turning Nasha into an animal? Huh? Well, doggone it, Jack. I know it don't make sense. Just as well as you do. But something's happening in there. Something that made me want to get out of there just as fast as I could. Hey! Oh, you're back again, Mary. Yes, I'm back. Well, what is it this time? Talk louder. I can't hear a word you say. <laughs> that's just the point. We don't want you to hear. So that's it. You're plotting. Plotting? That's what I said. The more I see of you three, the more sure I am that you're the ones that killed Alky Joe last night. Mary, for the tenth time, we did not kill Alky Joe. Maybe. But doggone it, Mary, why pick on us? Everybody else in town swears up and down that Alky Joe was killed by wolves. Wolves, Well, I saw his body this afternoon. It certainly didn't look like the work of a man to me. That'd be a good way to commit a murder, wouldn't it? Make it look like an animal, done it? Well, you're certainly the only one in town who believes that. That's because I'm smart. Look, Mary, will you go away and leave us alone? What's that? You ordering me out of my own boarding house? We paid for these rooms for the time being. They're ours. Well, if you don't like I it, know, I you know, know why. If we don't like the way you run this boarding house, get out. And take it or leave it. Well, what else can we do for you? Talk louder. Man, what a woman. Say, isn't there some way we could put a lock on our doors? Well, where would you get a lock? No stores. Besides, as long as she makes a point of letting us know she's listening, what harm can it be? Well, what about Nash and the maestro? Don't you think you ought to go over there and have a look, Jack? No, let them alone. As long as they stay in their rooms, they can't do any harm. That's quiet. And if they open their door or walk in the hall, we can hear them. But if they go out, will we follow them? Is that it? Well, we'll see. By the way, Doc, what happened about that old uh, desert rat jumping dick? Oh, what do you mean, what happened? Well, this morning he was going up to his house and get his daughter for you to look over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, did you see her? Are you going to marry her? No, no, she wouldn't leave the house. <laughs> the way Dick talked, I thought he intended to drag her down here by the hair if necessary. I don't know. He just come back and said if I wanted to look her over before I married her, I'd have to come up to his shack. Well, didn't you go? No, I told him I wouldn't walk a, walk across the street to look at a female. Oh. Said if he wanted me to see her, he'd have to lasso her and bring her down here to the boarding house. <laughs> hey, you think the old coot's serious, Jack? Well, he seemed awfully anxious for you to see her. Yeah. Well, he come back this afternoon and said he'd catch her when she was asleep and hog tie her and tote her down here. Well, I've always heard that that would breed some weird and wonderful specimens. We're getting our share of this trip. Jumping dick, dry gulch men. I say. Company. Hey, don't tell me Mary's getting some manners. Come in. Oh, I say. Oh, hello, Nasha. The maestro wish to speak with you. Fine. Tell him to come on in. No. 
You must come to him. Well, to the heck with him. Very well, and we'll go to him. Hey, Jack, you gonna let that big tub of goose grease order us around? You do not say that about the maestro. Oh, I see you still got them black tights on. Why not? And where did you get them? I always have them with me. They are my dancing tights. Why are you wearing them tonight? That is what the maestro wished to talk with you about. Will you come? All right. Come on, Reg, Doc. Right in here. The maestro is waiting. Maestro, they are here. Close the door. Yes, maestro. Well, dread is forsaken hole. Door squeak, shutters rattle, boards creak. Musty, filthy. Hey, maestro, you better not let Dry Gulch Mary hear you. I told that woman I'd turn her into a mangy coyote if she didn't keep away from this room. You told her that? I certainly did. She believed you? Uh, with good reason. I wouldn't hesitate one moment. Now, look here. You're carrying this mysticism to a point where it's ridiculous. You can't turn anyone into an animal, and you know that just as well as I do. So, you want to defy me? I don't know what your game is, but whatever it is, you're overplaying your hand. You still think I didn't turn Nasha into an animal in the boxcar? I know you did. Some clever trick, yes. Nasha's a woman. She's never been anything else. With your own ears, you heard a man scream in that boxcar. With your own hands, you felt a knife stuck in his heart there in the dark. It was a dead man, all right. What's more, I think you killed him. But when you turned on your flashlight, he was not there. Another of your tricks. Mysticism. I say trick, and I mean trick. It was a trick, too, when I sent Nasha floating out of the moving boxcar and then made her return? It was. So, I have not yet convinced you I am a great mystic, that I have powers beyond the normal. You have not. Then I will prove it tonight. Just as you like. I will prove it beyond any reasonable doubt. Is that why you've called us in here? No. No, I called you here to warn you that you must not leave this boarding house tonight. You're telling us what to do? I'm warning you. Why? Why am I warning you? No, that isn't what I mean, but why are you warning us? Because you gave Nasha and me financial assistance. Yes, I paid your room and board here. And that is my way of showing my gratitude. By warning us not to leave the house tonight? Yes. I don't follow you. Tonight, the wolf pack returns to this village. That's what Nasha said this morning. How do you know they're coming? Because I shall bring them. Just how do you intend to do this? First, I will put Nasha to sleep. Nasha. Yes, maestro. Curl up at my feet. Yes, maestro. Yes. Now, close your eyes. You are thinking only what I am thinking. Yes. Yes. You are sleepy. I am sleepy. Sleep, Nasha. Ooh. Sleep. She's sure enough asleep, Doc? Beyond awakening until I give the word. You think she is, Jack? Yes, that's simple hypnosis. Well, she's asleep. Now how are you going to bring the wolves? I will turn Nasha into a wolf. You, you mean that? I will turn Nasha into a wolf. I will send her out to the pack... She will bring them here. Uh, you mind if I yawn? I will turn Nasha into a wolf. Well, don't stand there saying it. Go ahead and do it. Turn out the lamp. No. Do it here in the light where we can see it. Metamorphosis must take place in the dark. Now turn out the light. Well, shall I, Jack? Yeah, go ahead. All right, Jack. Here goes the light. There. Man, is it dark in here. Well, the light's out. Do something. Nasha, I 
am smoothing your hair. It is the hair of a woman, but it is changing. It is changing to the hair of a wolf, the mane of a wolf. You are going to be a wolf. When I say the word, you are going to be a wolf. Nasha, you are a wolf. Those eyes, those eyes. They're shining in the dark. Go, Nasha. Go join the pack. Jack, Jack, she went right out through the window. The wolf pack will visit bury your dead tonight. Tony Randall was interviewed by Chuck Shaden in 1970. He remembered Carlton E. Morse's use of sound effects and the program's writing. He was very uh, precise about sound effects. Yes, too, wasn't he? yes, yeah. He, uh, I understand that he had great descriptions in, the, he was, in he, the copy, right, in the script. He was a master of sound effects. And my own mind is orally so strong that I could imagine I just heard a phone ring. <laughs> Fantastic. Incredible sound effect, yes. <laughs> it's, re- it's, re- it's really good. Further transcribed adventures of Jack, Doc, and Reggie will come to you tomorrow at this same hour. What's your opinion of the writing on I Love a Mystery? Well, those were mystery yarns. Mm. They were only supposed to be cliffhangers, and uh, they were very good for what they were, adventure stories. I remember Temple of the Vampires, that had a marvelous premise. And I I remember one episode that that people still talk to me about. I thought that Carly Morris really used... Extraordinary uh, imagination in that to build suspense. We were in a great temple like Angkor Vat in the middle of the night, and we were sw- it was pitch black, and we were swinging by great ropes back and forth, pendulum style, and afraid of bumping into each other in the dark. Now that's a good situation. As much as Randall loved I Love a Mystery, he wasn't a huge fan of many of the soap operas he appeared on. Well, now, what exactly, which programs were you on when you did the soaps? What soap operas did you do? Goodness gracious, I did When a Girl Marries, Portia Faces Life, Perry Mason, that was a very popular soap. Mm. All of them. Lorenzo Jones, I was on. Small parts come in and out, sometimes run a week or two, sometimes longer. Light of the World. Oh, yes. Remember that one? One I was on once or twice or a week for years was My True Story. Oh, the adaptation from the magazine, right? Yeah, and that was a full, complete soap opera, half hour long, every day. Different story every day. That was, that was really a, a, a tearjerker, too, wasn't it? Yes, every day a tearjerker. <laughs> and uh, un- unbelievable writing. That took place in Studio 6B, I remember very well, on NBC, which is now where Johnny Carson broadcasts from. And where you visit frequently, too, I suppose. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then I remember I was on a number of things written by a woman named Erna Phillips. She was based in Chicago. Yes. She wrote a lot of soap operas. Yes, and uh, everyone took her very seriously. If you were in an Erna Phillips script, that was supposed to be good. And if you changed a word of it, Miss Phillips was listening and didn't like that. And it was this utter pap, just like everything else. It was really beneath contempt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've heard now that you've said that you really didn't think much of the writing 
uh, on radio. Didn't think much of radio, no. All the old radio fans who, who hear me talk about it occasionally, I'm frequently asked about it, and I have a good memory and remember it all, and it goes under the heading of trivia, think that I'm a fan of it, and I despised it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I used to pray that I'd get out of it. And you did. <laughs> and I did, yes. <laughs> what did you think of the scripts on Mr. D8? Well, they were melodrama, and they were good. Mm-hmm. They were only cops and robbers melodrama, but for that... They were good, but the soap operas pretended to delve into the human heart and all that crap, and it was that's all it was. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents I Love the Mystery. adventure thriller she's gone gentlemen you heard her crash through the window what did you do to that girl answer me before I shake it out of you what did you do to that girl don't touch me Packer then answer me I warn you don't lay a hand on me if you know what's good for you. Jack, if you want him manhandled... Yeah, give me and Reggie a chance at him. We'll tan that thick hide of his right there on his fat carcass. You heard that, Maestro, or whatever your name is? Gentlemen, you mustn't be so disturbed. Oh, we mustn't be so disturbed. No. Huh? The three of you will be perfectly safe so long as you remain here in the boarding house. We're not interested in our own safety. We want to know what you did to that girl Nasher to make her dive through that window glass. Yeah, and lope off down the gulch, yelping at the moon. No, that's crazy, Doc. But we heard her howling her head off. That wasn't Nasher. That was a real wolf. Mr. Packard, that was Nasher. I say it wasn't. Very well, Mr. Packard. But, Jack, we saw the glittering eyes. We heard the snarling right in this room. In the dark, yes. Well, supposing it was dark. We seen and heard what we seen and heard. Of course, but get it through your head. You didn't see Nasher turned into a wolf. Well, I say we did. No, Doc, you only think you did. Everything indicates you did because the maestro set the stage to make you think so. But you didn't actually see Nasher turned into a wolf. Well, that's true, Jack, of course. But... Yeah, you can't tell me any little old girl in her right mind's going to go jumping through a window. Right. I could just see her in the moonlight as she went through. Well, did it look like a girl or a wolf? Well, naturally, I could only see something shadowy, but it made a long, graceful dive. Yeah, like a wolf leaping through a window. Was it, Reggie? Right. Well, yes, I suppose that's how it did look. I could see the lithe outline of a body... Well, that's about all I'm sure of. Naturally, you could see the lithe outline if you could see anything. Have you forgotten Nasher had on those black dancing types? <laughs> Gentlemen, you're making a fearful to-do about nothing. Oh, you think so, huh? Yes. I have set Nasha out. She's obeying my will. When I am ready, she will return again. Listen. There. Does that sound like the voice of Nasha? It sure don't sound like nothing human to me. It is Nasha in the animal form I have given her, calling to others of her kind. Listen carefully. Are there not certain notes, certain tonal qualities that uh, that are familiar? Oh, look here You're now. You're crazier in a bed, Buggy. If you say that sounds like Nasha. Ah, 
But you don't know Nasha as I know her, naturally. Well, I know one thing. Yes? Yes. I know we're going out and find that girl. No, you must not. Mustn't, huh? I forbid you to leave this house tonight. Well, it just so happens you're not in any position to forbid us anything. And the quicker we get started, the better I'm going to like it. Let's go, Jack. I warn you, death is out there in that moonlight. Then what's Nasha doing out there? Nasha is the instrument of death. Oh, come on. I've stood about all this nonsense I intend to. Huh? You going this way? Sure. Nasha went out the window, so why shouldn't we? I warn you, someone faces death in this place tonight. If you go out there... I will not be responsible. We'll take our own responsibility. You just sit there and worry about your troubles. You want, Doc? Uh, yeah. Now look out for the glass around the edge of that window frame. Come on, Ray. Uh, there. Made it. Come on out, Jack. We'll be seeing you, Maestro. Holes! Holes! Give me your hand, Doc. Yep. Got you. Uh, thanks. Which way do we go? Wait. Oh, Maestro. You still have time to return to safety. Forget it. I just wanted to warn you, when we find Nasha, don't expect us to return her to you. You still have time. You listening to me? It's pretty apparent that you're not a fit companion for Nasha. Your influence over her is too great. You can't have her anymore. Now think that over. Death is out there in the moonlight. You have had your warning. All right, follow me. Where are we going? Up here in the shadow. Doggone. Something's loose out here tonight, all right. Yes, and I don't mind saying I'd rather meet a real wolf than to meet Nasha running about on all fours. He cut it out, Reggie. Now shut up. Crouch down here in the shadow. It's quiet. Reggie, I want you to stay here. What's that? You'll be our lookout. We're up on the side of the hill above the boarding house so you can see everything that goes on. Yeah, you can even look down in the maestro's room. You see him? He's sitting there and he's fat, rocking back and forth. Mm. Ugly brute. I'll keep an eye on him. But watch the rest of the house, too. You can see anyone who leaves or enters as long as the moon stays this bright. But you... You mean you and Doc are going and leave me here alone? Can't you take it? Well, I bloody well don't like it. I haven't forgotten yet that the ballet maestro put me to sleep while we were in the boxcar. Now, what defense have I got against a chappie who can put me to sleep whenever he likes? But he doesn't know you're out here. How can he put you to sleep if he doesn't know you're around? Well, how about letting Doc stay here? Hey, now, look, you fella. I don't like the maestro no matter who you do. Oh, nuts. Hey, Reg. Well? Jack's disgusted with him. I know it. Well, you two act, you think that fat man sitting in that rocking chair down in that dump of a boarding house was in charge of the universe. Well, he's doing a pretty good job of proving that he's straw boss anyway. He hasn't proved anything. Yes, but Jackie says there's danger. Now, why take this sort of a chance? I mean, spreading out. Why not all stick together? Because I don't believe there's any such danger as he says. Well, me and Reggie do. What you want to keep watch for anyway? Well, sometime tonight, Nash is going to return. I want to deny a witness to what happens. I also wanted to know if anyone else sneaked in or out of that boarding house. Well, naturally, Jack, if it's important... Oh, what was you planning for you and me to be a-doing? Well, there's eight houses, three, four shacks, and a couple of lean-tos, which make up the village of Barrier Dead. Yeah, and a kind of a gush. We're up here at the head of the draw. The houses and shacks are scattered down below on both sides of the gush. Yes. Well, the maestro said there was going to be someone killed by the wolves. I want to cover every house on both sides of the gulch. You take one side, Doc, I take the other. But what for? Find out if everyone's inside for the night. Warn them to stay inside and try to find anyone who isn't home yet and get him safely in. Very well. I'll stay here and watch. Good boy. If I thought there was any real danger... Just a minute, fella. Huh? But why are you so anxious about having the citizens of bury you dead inside if there ain't no danger? Yes, Jack. How about that? The maestro says the wolves are coming. Well, if he ain't got the power to bring wolves... Listen. Well, that there's all, all the answer I need, Jack. What do you mean? Well... That there's either a real wolf out there, or else that's Nasha. 
In either way, the maestro's turned his tricks. Now listen, you two. I know the maestro's up to some dirty work. But you still won't admit he turned Nash into a wolf. No. And you won't admit he has the power to bring wolves down on this place. No. Well, even with that thing howling out there to prove Even with a dozen wolves howling out there. If the wolves come, it'll be their own accord, not because a fat man called them. But, Jack... I'm not going to argue anymore. Doc, you stay here with Reggie. Hey, where are you going? Never mind. You stay here with Reggie and keep an eye on the maestro's window. But he hasn't moved. Sitting down there in that rocking chair, rocking back and forth in the lamplight like a huge, grotesque shadow. Now watch him, both of you. Stay here until I come back. Reggie. Well? Something's awful wrong about this. I know it. That wasn't right, letting Jack go off that way by himself. Well, there's no use trying to keep him here. Um, maybe I should ought to run and catch up with him. Well, do you want to? No. I think he's wrong to go out there. Right. So do I. I ain't never seen him so stubborn about anything. He shouldn't have went. I don't know how I know it, but I do. And I think he knows it, too. You think he's deliberately going out to danger? I swear to my grandma, I do. And I think I know why. You do? Yeah. Something's happening that he can't understand. And Jack ain't a fellow that'll take something that he can't can't figure out or laying down. You mean he doesn't believe in the maestro's magic, and he's either going to prove this is a fraud or die trying. Hey. Hey, look down in the maestro's room. Look at him. He picked up the lamp. He's coming to the window. Hey, what's that for? Look at the way he's waving that, that arm around there. It, it's some kind of a ritual. A ritual? Quite. He's making signs. See how he keeps repeating the same gesture over and over? You mean some more of his mysticism stuff? I, I, I don't know. Hey, that doggone wolf is answering Oh, that silly doc. No, it ain't. Look. Look how excited he is. Look at that expression on his face. Oh, Jove. I say, Doc, shut up, Reggie. Listen. Reggie, I'm a ringing wet with sweat. What was it? What was it? A girl laughing. A girl out there somewhere with him wolves laughing. That that man down there's a bloody maniac. Look at him. He's gone back to that rocking chair. Yeah, sitting there with his eyes closed. Rocking, rocking. Doc, hadn't we ought to go find Jack? I wish to goodness I knew what. Doc, hold it. Huh? What's the matter? There's something coming this way. This... Maybe it's... Hey, it's a girl. Shut up. Reggie, what'd you hang on to me for? Sally, idiot, haven't you got any sense? But that girl needed help. Did you see any girl? Well, not in the dark, naturally. It's moonlight? You trying to say that wasn't any girl? I don't know whether there was or not, but this is some more of the maestro's dirty work. And... Doc, Reggie! Hey, that's Jack. Doc, Reggie, help! Help! Gun shooting! Come on, Reggie! <laughs> Did you ever do any voices like that that caught on anywhere that, that no. radio people would remember? No, no, except my voice for Reggie, which I've forgotten. At that time, Charlie McCarthy was still on the air, mm -hmm. and uh, Ray Noble was the orchestra leader. Yeah. The English Englishman wrote Goodnight, Sweetheart. And uh, I sort of imitated Ray Noble, who had a slight company in his voice. The writing wasn't good British dialect. It was full of words that uh, Carlton Morse thought were British, like righto. And, and I say, every line began with, I say, Doc, suppose we, suppose we climb up the, this old water tower and, and then have a look-see. You know, it was, it was, I think back, it was kind of ridiculous dialogue. 
<laughs> Radio is full of lines describing what you were doing. Right. Here, let me open this door for you. I'll turn on the light with this switch on the wall right here. Click. So the audience would know what you were doing. Well, you know, the Lone Ranger often talked to Silver. Hi-ho, Silver, away! Yes. We're going to head off the Cavendish gang at the ranch, and then we're going to meet Tonda at the cave. And he'd be a whole He would recapitulate the story, yes. Right, and, yes. and they, they often did that, I think. Uh, what other evening programs did you do? Uh, you know, the network... FBI uh, and Peace and War. L-A-V-A. Lava yeah, Soap sponsored yeah, that one. Right. So many I can't possibly Did you usually play them. a heavy? Or, anything. Or, uh, anything. Didn't matter. Or, uh, Didn't matter. You played anything. Uh, and you generally played two roles. Right. You would double. And your, your ability to double in radio uh, had a lot to do with your ability to get jobs. And this was abused. It eventually got to the point where uh, only those who could double got jobs. And uh, the, see, the directors were saving money. The producers mm-hmm. were saving money by having it. Instead of hiring, yes. two, hiring two actors, they'd have one. And eventually, they would have only, say, three actors in the whole studio playing 20 roles. And they, then uh, put a lot of people out of work. Yes, and the quality was bad, because very few people can double really well. Louis Van Ruten was a great doubler. Um, Everett Sloan, who was one of the great radio actors. Gary Merrill, guys like that, who were... Richard Widmark, they weren't good doublers. They always sounded exactly like themselves. I was a pretty fair doubler. So eventually, AFRA, now is AFRA, AFRA, American Federation of Radio Artists, made a ruling that there could be no more than two actors doubling on any given show, Mm -hmm. and they could only play two roles instead of three actors playing five roles each and making a cast of 15. And the quality of, of the shows immediately went up, although they were really doing it to protect to give jobs to more actors. But there was an actor around, Phil Kramer, he's still around, and he's famous for having a voice like this. And he talks like this, and he still sounds exactly like this, and he only be cast for roles like that. So uh, <laughs> a director said to him, can you double? He said, double, of course I can double. He said, I can talk way up here or way down here. <laughs> so... so I asked him once if that story was true. He said, no, no, that's a story they tell about me. I said, I can talk way up here or way down here. (laughs) (laughs) We struck a memory wave here this morning. Yes, yes, lovely Phil Kramer. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents I Love the Mystery. adventure thriller Jack! Jack! Where are you at? 
Jack, anchor so we can hear. Doc, I say be careful. Yeah? Uh, careful of what? You appear dashing around this broken ground in the dark. But, but Reggie, Jack was yelling for help. Oh, I know that as well as you do, and it sounded like he was right about here when he yelled to us. And then that rifle of ricocheting and that girl light. Well, we'll never be able to find him in the dark like this. We've got to go get some help. But don't you get it, Reggie? He may be shot and needing us right this very moment. I know it. I know it. That's why it's foolish for us to be chasing around in the dark. Let's go back and get some lanterns and some of the residents of Barrier Dead to help us. Stand still. Let me try calling again. Jack! Hi, Jack, where are you? Oh. Oh, listen, darn wolf. Look here. Look, Doc. Look, outlined against the sky on that rise over there. Holy jumping mackerel. What is that? A full-grown hypnosis? The wolf. Oh, listen to him. Never mind the wolf. We are looking for Jack. Well, now, don't you see how impossible it is? Please, Doc, let's go back to the boarding house and get help. Waste all that time. Well, not as much as we're wasting this way. Hey, 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 hold it. What is it? Something's coming this way. Crouch down. Either that or running on all four. You don't suppose that sobbing girl's coming back? I don't know. Hold it. Something's coming through the greasewood, all right. Howdy, boy. Hey, who said that? Kind of start with you. <laughs> uh, what's going on out here? Who are you? Jumping Dick. Hey, ain't you that toe-headed Britisher that's staying at Dry Gulch Mary's? That's right. We need your help badly, Dick. You do, huh? Who's that with you? It's me, Doc Long. Well, that's you, Texas. Well, now, ain't that a coincidence? I was just on my way over at the boarding house to tell you about my daughter, Laurie. Look here, Dick, we haven't got time to talk about your daughter. Yeah. For the love of Mike Feller, haven't you heard all the commotion that's been going on out here tonight? Commotion, huh? Uh, what sort of commotion? What sort of commotion? Girls screaming and laughing, girls are sobbing, wolves are howling, guns going off. Oh, shucks, now, you don't say. Where have I been all this time? You be, You didn't hear none of it? Not one bit of it, I didn't. But look, you can hear that wolf. You can see him outlined against the moon over there on that next ridge. Oh, sure, sure. That's old Brindle. Old Brindle? Yeah, he's the old he-wolf of the pack. He's been sitting over on that ridge howling at night for, oh, I don't know how many years. Well, uh, ain't he one of the wolves that pulled down and tore up Alky Joe? No, don't reckon. Oh, but look here, there's something more important than wolves. Something's happened to Jack. You talking about your friend Patrick? Yes, we're out looking for him. What makes you think something's happened to him? Well, there ain't no thinking about it. We know it. We heard him yell for help, and then we heard a rifle shot and a girl laughing. Well, we ain't been able to find hiding her hair of him since. How long ago did all this happen? Oh, 10, 15 minutes ago. Well, then I reckon your friend's all safe and sound. Y- you seen him? Yeah, not five minutes ago. Are you certain? Sure shooting. But where? Where is he now? Over in the boarding house, talking to that there maestro fella and the Russian girl. Talking to the maestro and Nasha? Well, at least was he was five minutes ago. Well, darn his hide anyway. Come on, Reggie. What's he think he's pulling on us, running around in the desert yelling for help, and then when we start scouring for him, he sneaks back to the boarding house? What kind of a way is that to act? And Nasha, apparently she's back. Back? Where's she been? Well, the maestro turned her into a... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Huh? Now, what kind of talk's that? The maestro turned her from a girl into... Well, what's that supposed to mean? That don't make sense. Not quite, Doc. Hardly ever does. Well, look to here, Jumping Dick. Are you sure Jack's all right? Well, all I know is what I seen. I looked in the window yonder, and there was your sidekick Packard, and the fat man, and the roosting girl. Are you aiming on 
Going back to the boarding house and join us? Yeah. Now I want to find out what sort of a circus Jack's putting on. I'm telling you, he's all right. He, now then, uh, I want you to listen to me for a minute. Well, go ahead, but keep walking. Yeah. Well, now look at Texas. Uh, you're still in a marrying mood, ain't you? Oh, look here. You're still wanting to take glory off my hands, all legal and proper, ain't you? Hey, I never I never said that I'd marry you, female daughter. Uh, 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 now, wait a minute, son. Wait a minute. Don't go throwing careless words around like that. Looky, jumping, Dick. Things has been a happening bury you dead tonight. It's had me sweating one minute and give me cold chills the next. I ain't no mood for a girl courting tonight. Oh. So you aim to go back on your sworn word, huh? I didn't give no sworn words. You blame well know. Hey, and what about you? You were supposed to bring that Laura daughter of yours around to the boarding house at 7 o'clock this morning for me to look over. Yeah, but it's just like I said. 7 o'clock this morning you were supposed to bring her. And did you? No. Here it is, 10 o'clock at night. You, you ain't even brought her yet. Well, no. That's what I want to explain to you. I don't want no explanations. You ain't kept your word, so I ain't obliged to keep mine. See, now, look here, Texas. I got a good excuse, and I aim to tell it to you. Well, hurry up. On the counter, here we are at the boarding house, and we got to go in. Yeah. First place, the reason I didn't bring Laurie over at 7 o'clock this morning, she wouldn't come. Wouldn't come? Ain't that what I'm telling you? And you let her get away with it? No, no, wait till I explain. What kind of a man are you, jumping dick? Let a little old female daughter telling you what to do? Well, Dad busted, I'm trying to tell you. She got the draw on me. What's that? I'm telling you the gospel truth. She beat me to the draw. Dick, are you trying to say your own daughter pulled a gun on you? Yeah, and what's more than that, she'd have punctured me like a sieve if I'd have made one false move. Well, jumping, Dick, that sure does explain why you couldn't get Laurie down here at 7 this morning. Ah, oh, but things is different now. I got the upper hand now. I got it right where I want her. Yeah? Where, where did you want her? I got it locked in the cellar. Now, if you was to come along with me, we could all go up to my place and hog tire and stop all this nonsense. Well, why do you want to tie her up? Well... That's the only way you're going to get her to stand still long enough to get a good look at her. Father, is that you? Hold it, jumping jeepers. Hey, who's that? That's my daughter, Lori. Father, what are you doing here? Time you were in bed. Yes, Lori. Who are these men? Well, this here is Reggie York. Yeah? And, uh, and I reckon I'm Doc Long, the fellow your papa wants you to marry. What did you say? Hey, you, you, you don't know about it? Father, what have you been saying to these men? Uh, nothing, Laurie, nothing. Uh, these fellas is crazy. Oh, but I say, I thought you were locked in the cellar. The cellar? What cellar? Well, at your cabin, naturally. Our cabin doesn't have a cellar. Come along, Father. Good evening, gentlemen. Well, I'll be a double-jointed toad frog. <laughs> Did you see her face in the moonlight, Reggie? Oh. Did you see it? Most beautiful. I say she was real, wasn't she? Say, Reggie, you suppose we've been taken for a ride? Now, now, don't include me. I wasn't supposed to marry that girl. Well, danged if I don't believe every word that old coot's been saying to me was just plain lying. It's hard to imagine a girl like that drawing a gun on her father. Matter of fact, I got the impression he was ballet frightened of her. Man, what a voice. Cool, soft, low. Reggie, if I ever go to heaven, that's just exactly the way I want to hear them female angels talk. (laughs) Amazing, isn't it? For a village of 19 citizens, Berrio de Arizona certainly is loaded with mystery. Ain't it the truth? Well, shall we go in and tackle Jack? Hey, I just thought of something. Hmm? If Jumpin' Dick was a-lying about his daughter, 
Maybe he was lying about Jack. You mean Jack may not be in with the maestro? Well, come on. Let's find out. Down the hall. Here, Doc, you're passing the door. If Jack's been laying out on the desert... No pounding on my door. I say, is Jack in there? Yes, come on in, Reggie. Hey, he's there. Oh, I say, Jack, you're all right. Certainly I'm all right. Shut that door. Yeah. Now then, Jack. What the heck's been going on? That's what I've been trying to find out. But, Jack, out there on the desert, we heard you cry for help, and then we heard a gunshot. They weren't shooting at me. Well, why'd you yell for help and, and then and not wait for I didn't have time. Didn't have time? But why did you yell for help? A wolf had me down. A wolf? A sure enough wolf? Biggest wolf I ever saw. That's when I yelled. And somebody fired that gun, and it streaked off across the desert like crazy. Yeah, look at my coat. I say, ripped right down the back. Luckily, I fell on my face. My throat and face were protected. But what did you mean you didn't have time to wait for us to get to? Well, I jumped to my feet and I saw something sneaking through the greasewood and I took out after it. Well, what was it? It was Nasha. I followed her here to the boarding house. Was she girl or wolf? Girl. Yes, I had transformed her back into her natural shape before I brought her back. Rubbish. I changed her back into her natural form. Just as you see her now... Lying on her bed, asleep. Why you got her asleep? She's exhausted. She's always exhausted after participation in one of my manifestations. She sure does look all in, all right. But, Jack, all this still doesn't explain that girl laughing hysterically out there. Yeah, and it don't explain that girl that passed us sobbing like her heart would break. No, I heard the girl laughing. Or did you see her? No. In the morning, we're going to have a talk with every person and bury your dead. In the morning, the citizens of bury your dead are going to have something much more interesting to talk about. Is that so? Quite so. Such as what? That will have to wait for the dawn. Tonight, my work is finished. I wish we could be sure about that. As a matter of fact, I wish we could be quite sure just how much you had to do with tonight's work. I was responsible for everything that took place out there. You didn't move from this room. Nevertheless, what I say is true. Tonight, I turned Nasha into a wolf. She went forth and led the pack down on Bury Your Dead. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do tomorrow night? What? Tonight, I turned Nasha into a wolf. Tomorrow night, I'm going to turn a wolf... Into a man. I say. Hey, cut it out. I will turn a wolf into a man. And I will give you the privilege of talking to him. Are you just plain trying to give us nightmares? Well, gentlemen, there is the wolf who will walk like a man. <laughs> What was your last, not, not not counting what you're doing today in radio, which we'll get to, but what was your last radio job, you remember? I have no idea. Just kind of... It petered out. Yeah. As television came in, radio petered out. And uh, the first year or so of Mr. Peepers, I would get conflicts from the director to be able to make, oh, I love him, not, not a, I love him, Mr. Peepers, but my true story in the mornings and things like that. And then those things died. They just were no more. And if they were, they'd lost their sponsors. And so the, the pay was very small. and It wasn't worthwhile to do them. 